the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Good evening along with Jacob. A good friend, partner in crime here in The Bible Live broadcast. Jacob is in the studio with us, and we're ready to... um, Talk about uh, the good book. Talk about this book of books, the old book that has guided um, so many millions and millions through the ages in terms of our uh, what we might know about God, about the spiritual realm, and about our lives here on planet Earth. And so we're talking. But we have we're covering tonight parts of about six, a third of the Bible. Actually. <laughs> third, the other half of the Bible, right? As you said, uh, we'll finish up uh, with the book of Galatians. Although you said that last oh, yeah. week, we, we covered that so covered. well. Okay. There's not much to cover. Much and much I'm talking say, right? especially about the part about the circumcision. Yeah, I heard about that. Cover. You were telling me, and it's something that, uh, <laughs> uh, of course, I have a tremendous interest in. Uh, it is. It, it, it is a major. <laughs> cut it out. It is a major theme. Uh, of course, both Old and New Testaments. It's a big uh, theme. It's a big topic. I don't know, symbolically and, of course, realistically as well. But it meant something, and, and it was intended to, and uh, it's talked about in both Testaments. But interestingly, as you brought out last week and as we've talked about before, it's never actually... By the way, can I say welcome back, Soapy? Thank you very much. Somebody somebody called your friend Rich and asked if you were sick, and I said, I don't know if he's sick, but he's on vacation. 
Well, no, I'm, I wasn't sick. I was on kind of vacation at Campus Crusade for Christ staff. Every two years all across the United States, uh, we have six or 7,000 staff across the nation, high schools and campuses and lay ministries and every different kinds of ministries of every kind. And we come together, all of our staff come together every two years out in Colorado at the uh, at the Colorado State University campus. Mm-hmm. We kind of take it over. We're just uh, a, 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 and uh, just have a great time in Fort Collins. Is this Collins. similar to like a Shia kind of thing? A what? Shia law? <laughs> kind of a little bit. It, it, we we kind of take over the town. It's a little oh, college see. town, Fort Collins. And you're proud of this, I think? Oh, yes, we oh, are. Yeah. We, we have, it's been a great – we've been doing it for – 25 or 30 years. So you years. have to keep taking it over? Yeah. Every During time the off times, they take it back. They, they all leave town, and we come in and, and repopulate. Okay, well, as long as you got to figure it out. Yeah, we got it. And, and uh, anyway, we had a great, great time. Thank you for welcoming me back. I, 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 um, we had a great time, a good time of uh, spiritually. It was a great time of refreshing and growing and learning, and uh, it's always a good time of fellowship with old friends we haven't seen in a long, long time. Perhaps they work in a different ministry, a different city. And we only get the chance to see each other every other year. So it was a good time. I, I understand you did great. Everything went well. Well, I, and, I, uh, I, I paid the uh, reviewer, John, to say that to you. Okay. Uh, well, that's good. He told me that. No, not enough, though. <laughs> not enough. Well, anyway, the book of Galatians you covered. And, and, uh, and uh, very interesting book in, this, in and of itself is because it wasn't a book written to a city. Galatia was not a, a particular city like Ephesus or Philippi or Colossae or right. Thessalonica. It was a region, uh-huh. and it was intended. It was written and intended to be passed around and read to the churches, uh, which which is very interesting in terms of what we do, Jacob. In terms of reading the Bible uh, to people over the airways, is that that's when people hear the scriptures being read to them aloud. That was the, originally that was the way the scriptures were experienced so am i correct people. in saying that tonight you're you're the star you're uh, today how's that old thing go you're it you're the star today because this is every book we're looking at tonight is if i oh i got in trouble for saying this one time oh but i used to one time i said Are you going to tr- chance it again i'm going to because it's i enjoy it uh-huh. so <laughs> I, I said i said in this, i was in this group and i said to this group i said well over on your side of the bible this lady got upset with me she said it's all our bible and i said you know silly me of course it is <laughs> yes, of course, yeah. but at any rate so uh, yeah but so tonight we're doing all the new little new testament books and i think you're the star today okay my chance to shine i guess well the book of ephesians written by paul to the church there in ephesus written the book of philippi now all of these books here you as you read the book of acts which we've already covered you can read about paul's visit to ephesus paul's visit to philippi and you get a little bit of a context you see some of the things that happened you know when i first started looking at the new testament do you know what i did i took well i i read it yes uh uh-huh i had coffee while i did it but I also took all the letters, the epistles, the letters that we're talking about, and I strategically placed them as best I could in the book of Acts so uh-huh. I could read it. So when he went to there, I read what he was doing there. Yeah, yeah. So I put them in place. Interesting. It's a very good thing to do. In, the, in Ephesus, for example, there was a big riot, remember? And he got I do, yes. run out of town and that sort of thing. And, and it kind of helps you explain, give you some background. Uh, on his experiences there, Philippi, the, what was that? Lydia, right? The first. Uh, oh, Lydia, she was beautiful. Gentile. Yeah, uh, she, yeah. she was uh, made purple, sold purple, 
Remember yep, that? Yeah, uh-huh. sure did. And, uh, businesswoman. A very wealthy businesswoman. Why was she doing purple? Must have been Jewish, right? Is that- I, I, I think she became. Uh-huh. But why was she a seller of purple? What does that tell us? Royalty? It is royalty indeed. Why do they call it royal purple? From... Ding, 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 ding. ding. Your turn. Is that something to do with the color of purple in the tabernacle and the... You, you get, you, you, like yeah, that? you're getting the idea. Sure, sure. But uh, but why? Why do the kings... Oh, heaven. That's 50% kingship. of the answer. Okay. Um, because? Because? It is the point between heaven and earth. Because if you take blue and you take uh, the other color uh, the, of the earth, red, uh-huh. you mix them together, you get purple. So the kings were that doorway as the... Tabernacle huh, was between heaven and earth, so the royal purple is the doorway. You might it was say. understood that, the, or thought sure. in yeah. that sense, uh-huh. that, that God Himself superintended and made somebody well, king. And well, that's, so yeah, that's uh, they were God's sure. servant as king. Uh-huh. Of course, that was a very handy and very uh, nice doctrine for the kings to remember. <laughs> I'm here because God put me here. You have to. Uh, well, actually, yeah. If you ever go back and read even the old English history. It's fascinating how they actually, all the monarchs, and especially in Europe, thought they were selected by God. And they were actually the descendants of certain yeah. Israeli kind of people. And therefore, they could be the, the people to rule a country. Yeah. It actually, and that's why they always married among themselves. You know. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Well, Ephesus, Philippi, Colossae. And Thessalonica. We're going to read all. We're going to comment on all of those different books tonight, and even into the first of the what we call the um, the uh, pastoral epistles, the pastoral letters that Paul wrote to Timothy and Titus. Uh, what does pastor mean? Shepherd, right? Right. Uh, yeah. So, if you're reading the word pastor, you're reading the word from Greek shepherd. So, if we take that logic and we apply it to the use of the word shepherd in what we colloquially call the Old Testament, then it's referring to something particular. Such as even in the New Testament, it says the shepherds were in the field. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Were they really shepherds? Or where does it tell you something else? Anyway, a topic for, I'm guessing, another time. Uh, <laughs> from the confused look on my face, yes. Yeah. Well, no, I, I'm always curious about these things and glad to hear about it. Well, so we'll comment on those passages. If you'd like to call in and ask a question or answer some of the questions we put out on the air tonight, you can give us a call at 340-9585. Yeah, if anybody wants to call and disagree, Soapy encourages that, and his name is Soapy. <laughs> <laughs> no, if you want to agree, you can call me. If you want to disagree, you can call Jacob. Three four. Four zero ninety five eighty five. That's our phone number for the next uh, eighty minutes. So we'll be glad to visit with you and uh, hear some of your thoughts as well about these passages. Let's go to um, get a question from some of these books. Yeah, uh, let's do that. We also read the book of the Proverbs. We read chapters twenty three through twenty five, and I, I just I really really enjoy so much these little nuggets of wisdom. Uh, interestingly, the book of Proverbs is this collection, this compilation of of sayings. Uh, that were, I guess, gathered by uh, Solomon, right. uh, compiled at least by him, and uh, put together. And, and they're all these, some of them humorous, some of them comparative, either this or that, or not this, but this. 
uh, different kind of formulas that they use with these parables. But they're all written from a, a, a God-centered worldview. That's the idea. They make sense. They're bit, bits of wisdom that come from uh, those, you know, from a God-centered worldview, from believers. And so uh, they're very, very valuable. I, I've created a special disc for these, Jacob, mm-hmm. we give out to young men and women at Lackland in, in our military ministry there, the basic trainees, because, it, you know, they're just they're at that age of life, 20, 22, 25 years of age. They're, you know, getting married, farming homes, beginning a career and so on. And so it really is a very practical help for them to have the, these, you know, how to get a loan, how not to co-sign a loan with someone, how to ah. do this, how to, wisdom for marriages, for families, for for all of us. So uh, I, we have some of the, let me read a, a, one of our questions from you. Oh, I wouldn't tonight. have it any other way. Okay, let me see. Now, this might be a little a little bit controversial. I don't know. In, according to Proverbs chapter 23, Proverbs 23, it says there is a one possible benefit of corporal punishment. What is one possible benefit of co- corporal punishment? Now, uh, not talking about... Uh, That's uh, when the uh, sergeant or the punishment. lieutenant presses charges. No, no, no. no. Not military punishment. Oh, oh, nor, um, nor is it uh, 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 um, capital punishment. It's talking about uh, bodily punishing uh, yeah, our children. Sure. So it's what not is, the corporal in the military you're no, talking about. No, no, no. Okay. Not that kind of bodily punishment. Uh, physical punishment. Uh, what is one possible benefit of... Physically spanking or, you know, or disciplining our children. In Proverbs 23, verses 13 and 14. I think there's going to be less spanking now. Uh, uh, Trump, just, Trump just outlawed transgender. Possibly, okay. Then this one other question. Let's see here. Um, we are not to envy or admire evildoers. Sometimes we see them on TV. They're wealthy. They're rich. They're influential. They get elected. We're not to envy or admire evildoers, uh, nor are we to worry about their power or their success. Why? On what basis uh, are we not to envy them or admire them or worry about their power or success? Proverbs chapter 24 Verse 19. All 24, right. 19. 24, okay. 19. Why are we not, we don't need to envy or admire evildoers or worry about their power or their success. So those are two questions from the Proverbs. Why don't we get maybe one book each from Ephesians 4? Okay, I'm going to, if it with your consent, one, one John, poor John's trying to get your attention. Okay, I got it. Uh-huh. And, okay, let's go to Ephesians. There's, there's a couple of really, 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 did I have to mention really? Tough questions? No, interesting. Interesting, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's do your number three mm-hmm. as our first one. In Ephesians two fourteen through 16, the Messiah broke down, as it says, the wall of separation between two groups of people to make one people, one church. And the answer is in... To 14 to 16, and after that gets answered, I want to go to a couple verses prior to that. All right, good deal. Okay. What, he broke down the wall of separation, quote unquote, there, uh, at least in English, between what two groups of people? All right. Okay. You want another one? Yes, uh, from Go- Ephesians still? Is yeah. that right? Well, you want to do one from each book, is that what yeah, you want to do? Whatever you'd like, yeah. Oh, okay. Then let's do. Um, uh, I, oh, this is going to be really interesting, and this is worth for bonus points. By the way, are we still giving away uh, Splashdown tickets? Tickets to Splashdown. Yes. Uh, and now that I'm back in town, I'm uh-huh. going to get them out. You're going to make a big splash. I'm gonna, yes. Okay, gonna let's do your number, let's see, uh, 
You're number 10. Okay. From Ephesians 6, name one of the pieces of our spiritual armor. Ephesians 6. Now, I, there's a bonus point for anybody. Somebody names it, they get the answer. But there's a bonus point okay. for anybody that can tell us where those items come from. All right. And we are going to just enjoy the enlightenment. Okay. Well, I'm kind of get a guess at that answer myself. But maybe you've got, you always have these, uh, you know, these kind of um, interesting background, historical kind of uh, cultural understandings from the background, from the Jewish background, so maybe my answer would not be right. Well, no, no, your answer is going to be right. We'll just, uh, we may supplement, but it'll be right. Yeah, it's like me and my wife, we have a, you know, the secret to our marital success, uh-huh, uh-huh. We, dis- we took on this philosophy years uh-huh, ago, uh-huh. Uh, I'm always right, and Suzanne always gets her way. Aha! Uh-huh. That's the way we iron things out. I'm always right. I know when I, right, I, I don't I've noticed when I sat at the table at your house, it works that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm pretty good at that. I, uh, that she always gets her way part, but uh-huh. she's, she's got to work on me always being right a little bit more. Well, I, I notice she says yes, Darren does what she wanted. <laughs> when I asked for the peas, you you wanted me to have corn, and she wanted me to have peas. I noticed that you said have try the corn, and I noticed I had peas. Yeah, you know what happened. <laughs> Right. Reality strikes. Uh, okay, Philippians. Uh, uh-huh, right. Okay. Let's do no, year number two. All right. Apostle Paul was Jewish. What? <gasps> oh, Saul of Tarsus. But, but of which tribe of Israel is he a member? That's a straightforward question. Yeah, that's just kind of a factual yeah. background question. Sure. He, he, and he explains it several times in these uh, epistles. I think he should. So in the book of Acts uh-huh. as well. All right. Let's go to your Colossians. We'll do a, uh, he seemed to be kind of proud of that fact. Well, yeah, he had a card. You know, he carried it in his pocket. It was laminated for his wallet. You yeah, know. yeah. Um, let's do Colossians. We'll do your number two. Okay. Paul tells the Colossians about a mystery or a secret that God has kept through the ages. What was it? Answer, Colossians one twenty-seven. That's fascinating when you look at that. God's keeping a secret? Oh, wow. Yeah, interesting. A mystery uh, or a uh, secret. And I'm kind of interested in, in from the, is this, as you said earlier, Paul is a Jew. He's a Jewish person. You know, in fact, is he's very committed, practicing Jew. He's very solid. I mean, he's well educated in the scriptures and so on. And and it's him saying that this is a mystery or a secret. I'm kind of curious as to how how is that viewed today. He's not. The, it's not the only time it's mentioned. It's mentioned in three of the Gospels. Uh, three of okay. yes, it is. Is it ever mentioned in the Hebrew scriptures? Is it ever referred to? Uh, yes, uh, yes, it is actually in Deuteronomy. Oh, there you go. Okay. Okay. Now, okay. Um, anyway, why don't you pick one from Thessalonians? Thessalonians. From Let me see. Okay, I, I'll do an easy one. Sure. Um, what city was the book of Thessalonians? Uh, the letters to the, to the Thessalonians was written to the believers in what city? And this is really a pronunciation test. Yeah. <laughs> Can you pronounce who's, it? Who's buried in Grant's tomb? <laughs> yeah, that, that's the idea. Something like that. Yeah. What city is referred to? And then let me give one more just because. Sure, why? The end of time and the day of judgment. You know, a lot of people are talking about that today. You know, is, is, right. is, uh, the, is it we living in the last days, the right. last time, the end of time? Well, the end of time and the day of judgment, mm-hmm. according to Paul, will come unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're not going to know uh, the day or the hour and that sort of thing. The day will come unexpectedly like mm-hmm. what? What illustration the, the end of time will happen unexpectedly like what? 
That's in, uh, let's see, is that First Thessalonians 5? I believe 5-1 yeah. of 1st. 1 Thessalonians 5-1, all right? That's okay. another all right. question. All right, give us one from Timothy, and then you can talk to your buddy Harold. To, I thought you were saying, say I could talk till my heart's content. Well, you will have that opportunity. <laughs> With Harold, for sure. That's great. Let's go to Timothy and uh-huh. say, um, let's see, uh, who did Paul consider to be the worst sinner of his times? Who did Paul consider to be the worst sinner in the world uh, in the time in which he lived? All right. That's First Timothy chapter 1. Verse 15. Wow. And you might be surprised by the answer. Actually. Yeah, we might, except I have the answer written here. So. <laughs> so you won't be surprised. Exactly. Let's go to our phone line and pick up to visit with our friend Harold, who is on the line. How hey, are you Harold. Doing tonight, Harold? How's it going? I've been, missing, I've been missing talking to you. I was out for a couple of weeks, and uh, did you hound Jacob a little bit when he was doing the programs here? Did you... <laughs> Torture him a bit. Uh, Actually, poor Harold didn't call me. He was waiting, depressed. He was waiting for you. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Well, I still hounded him in my mind. Uh, okay. But, in your mind. No, I don't know. You hounded in his mind? Yeah, I was hounded in his mind. Okay. Yeah. Well, well I got up, my... How are you doing? How's the summer going for you? Well, the summer's going okay. The boy, uh, Harold, he's in... Uh, my son is in Fort Knox, um, Kentucky. He's training for United States Army. Is that right? Is he going uh, to boot camp there? Yeah, yeah. No, boot camp, when he gets out, he signs in in about another week or two, maybe three. And then he's going to go to UTSA and work on his master's. Here he has a bachelor's and stuff. Good for you, Harold. Master's as an officer and stuff like that. And he'll be an officer when he's done, correct, Harold? Yeah, he'll be an officer when he's done if he's got all his P's and Q's. Wow. And uh, I'm sure he will. You know, Soapy Dollar. Well, dot I got a haircut. P's and Q's now. <laughs> Just well, you see? watch your P's and Q's. You don't dot them. <laughs> well, That's I'm glad he's talking. over there instead of me. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I got my haircut today. You know, she puts me outside on a five-gallon bucket, and I don't dare move. That happens about once a month. But, you know, you've been gone so long that I, I was almost, if you wasn't going to be there tonight, I was going to do some of my Soapy Dollar impersonations uh, <laughs> i'd like to hear that <laughs> well you know I, yeah i kind of wanted to ask your permission i come real close last week but you know what it was you know like if i would call in you would say uh do you want to ask a question or do you got something else on your mind and i'd probably say you know yeah i got something else on my mind like for instance uh, luke chapter 2 verse 22 wasn't written into the bible until the 1400s and that means for 1,500 years, nobody really missed it or knew about it. And then you, Soapy Dollar would say, my land. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? But, yeah, but we don't have to read it or nothing. If somebody's Are you kidding? Uh, you baited that hook for a while. I'm already, I'm everybody for everybody it, in the state of Texas heard that hook baited, and we're not going to read it? I think you're wrong. Luke 222. Is that what you said? Yes, yes. Eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, we're talking about Jesus after his birth, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel, even before he was conceived. And then verse 22 says, Then it was time for their purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. 
The law of the Lord says if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So is it just verse 22 that doesn't appear? Right, just verse 22. And the thing of it is, uh, I also have the, well, I got almost every version. And, uh, you know, in the NLT, it says Mary and Joseph bring Jesus. And some versions elude that Mary is the one that's going for the purification, uh-huh. you know, to prove that she, she was a virgin. But then when you go to the references in the Bible where it says, go to Leviticus, and it says, you know, uh, 12.3, and then you're supposed to go to Exodus, it doesn't talk about female women. It talks about the male circumcision. Y'all were discussing that earlier or didn't want to. But uh, and Leviticus it, twelve is not a reference to the uh, purification offering for for the woman after childbirth. It's offering for it talks about the circumcision. I see. Huh? But anyway, you know, what well, I don't have a problem with it. You know, to be honest with you, I just you know I have my faith, my beliefs, my but religion. It, but and, it is interesting. Uh, it's something. Uh, maybe yeah. Well, there's a lot more things like that and everything. Well, one of the yeah. things in today's world that's always a, a touchy subject is that uh, there is a purification ritual offered for the birth of a child, boy child, and it's less time than it is for the birth of a girl child. So, uh, you know, in a certain uh, feminist point of view and uh, some activist women, they don't like that because it's hard to understand why would uh, purification be for a boy child on lesser weeks than for a girl child? But I know that's beyond our topic. But is that people, a modern problem? Or is yeah, that, yeah. That's a modern that's problem. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, and, and there's a few other. Well, just one more thing. And uh-huh. also, you know, I'm not disturbed by, you know, the differences between the NIV or the. I'm not, like, you know, disturbed really with uh-huh. the, uh, the new uh, King James Version or anything. Uh, but. Compared to the King James Version, they some some verses they leave out the uh, uh, they put in them instead of us, or they use the word us, or they use the word servant when they're talking about Jesus uh-huh. instead of saying Jesus the baby Christ. Anyway, I'll let y'all run. Your music's starting. Harold, thank you so much. You've, uh, yeah, thank you, Harold. Important and interesting. All right, bye bye. Talk to you later. Well, there we have it, and our music has started. Our first segment is uh, over and in the can, so we'll uh, close the door on that. We'll come back in just a few minutes, a couple minutes here, and we'll continue talking about the epistles, the Pauline epistles in the New Testament. 340-9585, do not go away. Dr. Stan Shelton, with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me, plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning processes? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes 
for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831-3535. This is Lonnie Chen for townhall.com. I hope you heard about Senator John McCain's heroic return to the floor of the United States Senate to keep the effort to repeal and replace Obamacare alive. We should, and his colleagues should listen. With reference to, quote, their deliberations, he said, They can be as sincere and principled, but they are more partisan, more tribal, more of the time than at any time that I can remember. Senator McCain has seen and accomplished much during his decades as an elected official in service to the people of Arizona and the country. So his words from the Senate floor should serve as a warning to all of us. Our system of deliberative democracy is suffering, and our public officials may only be making it worse. It's a sad observation from someone we should listen to. For our part, we should focus on sending to Washington people who are focused on solving problems, not just demagoguing them. People who put patriotism above partisanship. People who appeal to what unites us rather than what divides us. I'm Lon He Chen. Join Barry Bass every weekday morning for the KSLR Morning Ministries, including Through the Bible, Renewing Your Mind, Truth for Life, and Focus on the Family. Weekdays from 6 to 10 on AM 630 KSLR and KSLR.com. The KSLR app for your mobile device. It's like having the entire radio station in the palm of your hand, wherever and whenever you want. Download it today at KSLR.com. That's KSLR.com. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Live, your opportunity as we uh, kind of study our way uh, through the Bible every year, from Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation in the New Testament. We kind of jump around back and forth between the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, and the New Testament. When we say the Old Testament, there's nothing, uh, we're not in any way insulting. It's just the older books of the Scriptures and uh, and the newer books that were written uh, after the coming of Messiah. It's not, it's not looking down, but both of them are highly respected by all, both Christians. And I, I suppose there is some respect uh, oh, sure. on the sure. part of Hebrews for the I, New Testament. I think any, any well-rounded, educated person would no, read them no, both. Yeah. All right. Well, then we, uh, we're looking at the books of what they call the Pauline epistles tonight. Uh, we've commented already on the book of Galatians, so we're not getting too many of our questions from that book, but we're going to Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians, and then uh, the first of the pastoral epistles written to young Timothy and Titus, these young pastors of the first century that Paul writes to them, uh, some admonition and guidance in their ministries, in their church ministries. So uh, if you'd like to give us a call, 340-9585 is our phone number, and we've put out the questions already. Let's let's go to your first question, Jacob, because you found it interesting, and I do too. I'm interested in your, uh, your take on this. Uh, as Paul writes to the uh, the 
Ephesians, those are the church there, the believers in the city of uh, Ephesus. Ephesus was a very interesting city. If you read about it in the New Testament there, about Paul's visit in the book of Acts to the city of Ephesus, it was a major city, a trade city. It was a center of, uh, uh, I think, uh, which, which uh, goddess or? Diana. Diana, yeah. The, uh, Artemis. The or temple to Diana and Artemis uh, was there. Um, and Paul goes there, has a wonderful, great ministry, except that uh, he, he gets uh, attacked. <laughs> you know, he people discover his presence after he's been teaching there a while, and he is attacked and uh, uh, goes through some difficulties there in that city. So, but Paul says in Ephesians two that the Messiah, speaking of Jesus, the, the, the Christ, the Messiah, he broke down the quote wall of separation between two groups of people. Now, what what groups is he talking about there? And uh, Jacob is, is saying that he finds that fascinating and interesting. And it, it, uh, the, this, uh, this idea of this separation appears uh, throughout the New Testament. And I, I think I know what, ma- what interest you have in it. I kind of guessing uh, that why you took an interest at that. But I, maybe I started, should start by asking you, what is this? It, was this wall of separation something that Paul invented or was it something that already had its basis or its thought in uh, in hebrew thought or hebrew even in in theology and in, in uh, the old testament scriptures and so on was this idea of a wall of separation where does it come from well um certainly there the wall of separation was one hand the jews that followed god's laws from the torah the tanakh the the, the monotheist and uh, the sure. polytheists uh-huh. and so sure. on for one and and the the pagans, which really means the people of the land, perhaps farmers, also tended to be idol worshippers and have many gods. So Where did this idea of Gentiles as opposed to Jewish people, even the word Gentile, where do we get it? Comes from the word goy. <laughs> I knew that. Uh-huh. Uh, I knew. But, is it something where does word goy is that something that was invented that, no that's what's in funny about that yeah what's funny about that that is no way derogatory or demeaning right it translates to the word the nations the other people that's what it means is the nations or the peoples of other nations it doesn't mean anything bad but it just means um, that the people that did not subscribe to the idea of monotheism as the jews were doing so it was. That's all it meant. So that wall of separation was there. Okay. So that is the distinction that is spoken of when it talks about a wall of separation between, uh, and and I understand when the temple was built, Solomon's temple, and later on when it was destroyed and uh, uh, by the Babylonians it was rebuilt again. Herod, I guess the Great, was the one who re restored. Why well, he was doing it, but I view this as almost. I hate to say this, but I'd prefer if I could encourage people to look at that as symbolic. The struggle has always been to get rid of the Jewish God, to get rid of the Jews because they were the fundamental followers, at least for at most of the time. And so Herod is not Jewish. Herod is an Edomite or an Edomenian in uh-huh. Greek. 
Uh, he had his own religion, his own gods. He certainly was political. Since he was appointed king by Rome, he would certainly try to please all the folks there. And we talked about this when we talked about the book of Esther. Ah, uh, yes. Sir. The Edomites and, and uh, right. Haman there was a descendant of Agag, the king no, of the Edomites. That's right. And if he had done what he was supposed to have done, if Saul way back there would have done what he was supposed to do, then Haman would not have uh, had his time with the Jews. In That's Esther. right. And I guess Herod would have been out as well, well right? Uh, actually, uh, it, it does work that way. So it's fascinating. So let's look symbolically at the so-called Herod's reconstruction of the temple. Because we know there was a first temple. There, the Romans destroyed the second temple. So when the they, Babylonians the first, and then exactly the so, in and coincidentally yeah. on the same day. Now, uh, and as a matter of fact, how interesting that the portion of the Torah that we're reading, all Jews read today around the world, or this week rather, is actually one of the things that was predicted way back as it's also the very where the bad thing began is with the bad report from the 10 spies that were in the desert that's the day it occurred on so in history same day same day my goodness no as harold says my land my land harold says that and he does a good job of that what a quinky dink yeah yeah so so let's take a look at this so our goal is to get rid of the jewish god Get rid of the Jewish people, you may get rid of the Jewish God. That's the idea. So, with the second temple is being restored by a guy that's not Jewish. And he's making it beautiful and a lot of grandeur. So, if you look at it, he's actually making it beautiful, but he's taking over the temple. And internally they did because he also hired the top priest, the guys running it, they were not loyal Jews, so they were, most of them were apostates, but they went on the payroll of Roman Herod. So if you look at symbolically, he's actually eating it up by making it more grand, see? Mm-hmm. Well, that's why God was no longer in that temple. Anyway, so that's the picture. So I've often found that fascinating. But what's even more fascinating, because you asked me about this wall of separation, so there certainly was a wall of separation because there was a distinction between monotheism and other religions and uh, actually but even within judaism evidently there was there were this this separation was recognized was it viewed as a uh a nationalistic or 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 was it more of a theological concept in their understanding because there were there were people who were not of the nation of jews there were believers in other cultures and other societies And then they would not, in that case, I'm just trying to get a sense of what was understood by Goy or the nations. Was it, what about these believers in other nations that became, like like we've talked about a number of times, like uh, Ruth or others that sure. married into, or, or converted and, right. and accepted the right. true and living God? Were they then considered Gentiles as no, well? No, 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 no. Your nationality, the land you come from, your ethnicity, all those kind of things they can vary. You might you might be from Africa. You might be from Cuba, Nicaragua, wherever. That's not the issue. The issue is if you believe in God and if you believe the single God, the God of Abraham, uh-huh. Isaac, and Jacob, then even if you're Ethiopian or you're from uh, Alaska or I, I'm, I meant Alaska, even, uh, even Alaska. Yeah. That's a joke. <laughs> but uh, so the uh, 
you're okay. You're still Jewish, but your nationality or ethnicity may be anything. In fact, I'm going to tell you something. I told you this on Friday. I don't know if you remember. In the early American West in the 1880s, there was an Indian who got exposed to some Jews. He converted to be Jewish and ended up becoming a rabbi, and uh, he was fully accepted. He was a rabbi, and he's an American Indian. Interesting. I would love to know about that. Well, I brought it in one time a couple of years ago. See, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a Native American, American uh-huh. and, I, and I believe that I have become Jewish. Well, <laughs> well there you go. Through, uh, even as a follower of I, Jesus. I understand. Uh, we've talked about that sure. before, so I... I so, wonder if that was in his thought processes. I don't know. But, I don't know, but it'd be, it's interesting. Yeah. Anyway, you can Google American Indian became rabbi. rabbi. Come on. Huh? So, but that's interesting, isn't it? So anyway, so anyway, so what we're talking about, this wall of separation, I want, and, and of course, you're talking about the verses you quoted yes. are uh, 14 through 16, right? Yes. Okay, let's take a look at those verses, and then... The Just, verses before them, yeah. Yeah, because okay. it's very interesting what it says, my comrade. Uh-huh. Okay. Ephesians 2, 14. Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. I'm there. Okay. Go for it. Now, he, the ones you quoted was 14, if I may. For he himself is our peace, obviously speaking of Jesus, right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Who made both groups into one and broke down the wall of separations or the dividing wall, right? This says he broke down the wall of hostility that uh-huh. separated the Jews from the Gentiles. I, and, that, and that's a little... Well, that can, you know, I, I can live with that. Whatever, mm-hmm. how they really... Everybody wants curious. to translate it their own way. Because uh-huh. if you're going to market something, you've got to change so many words to sell it, you know. So you can be different, I sure. guess. I don't know. Now, but look at 15. Uh-huh. Let's take a look at what 15 actually says. Go ahead and read it. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations, and he made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Well, let's... Take a really solid look at that. Is What you just read sounds like he abolished what? Yeah, it sounds like he ending the system of law with uh-huh. his commandments and regulations. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. Now let's read the traditional. Well, okay. they go King James or NASB, okay? Because uh-huh. I know you got one of those very nice designer-type Bibles yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> the newest thing. Yeah. So... 15. Read those again, those sure. verses in that other version. Uh, well, okay, well, let me read 15. See okay. what, what, what it really says traditionally. Thereby abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law and the commandments. Now, what, in, what is enmity? The conflict, the... The contradiction, the yeah. the source of... It uh, doesn't say he abolished the laws. He abolished the dislike, the hate, uh-huh. the, the, the rancid opposition to the laws in his flesh. Because as he abolished in his flesh the enmity and the laws and commandments and the contained in the ordinances. Now, those are different things. You see, he, what it's saying is this new group of people... They don't long and no longer hate God's laws. He abolished the enmity, and that uh, I find fascinating because in the version you got, yeah. it certainly reads as though well, he does. He did away with those laws. Not, yeah. not, not, 
particularly uh, clear about uh, that? Is it? I, well, I sometimes people like a, uh, there is a great thing you can watch us on there, and that's three, four hours of actually all the editors of the Bible, and you can actually pull up and watch all the actual editors discuss their Bibles, and they're all very compatible. They all mm-hmm. discuss it, mm-hmm. but it's interesting to see how they all like. They one will say, "I translate for theology," the other one will say, "I translate for literacy," mm-hmm. the other as literature, mm-hmm. the other for theology. If I remember correctly, I think the NIV who have people say have some difficulty with certain word choices. Um, they, if I recall correct, they say we translate for theology. So everybody translates for a different purpose. But let's take a look at what this chapter 2 is actually saying. Yes, okay. Now let's go back up a few verses before. This is fascinating. And I showed you this notes. I always keep these notes uh, here in, the, in this Bible. Uh-huh. Let's go back and take a look. And uh, starting at number 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Jesus Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. What good works uh, is he talking that you're supposed to walk in? Seems he's talking about God's commandments, his laws. Uh That's what it seems to me. Let's take a look at verse 11. And I'd like to point out, this is in the, the, you know, the Christian scriptures. And I find them highly compatible. Uh, anyway, verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you, Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember, now listen, 12 is so important. Remember. This is the Bible Live. What happened? You're listening to the Bible, Bible Live uh, with Soapy Bible Dollar. Hit a button on the. Sorry about oh, that. Oh, your Bible hit a button. Well, you likely, just as I get to the verse blame 12. Blame it on the Bible. Yeah, yeah, just as I get to verse 12. You're trying to abolish a, abolish this uh, scripture here, weren't you? The Bible made me do it. The Bible <laughs> okay, made me do yeah, it. sure. Okay. All right, 12. Now listen to this. Now this is interesting. All right. 12. Remember, he's talking to the. Christians and non-Jews, the Gentiles, if you like. Uh, Remember that you were at one time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Now look, they were without God. Uh And it says in 13, But now, in Jesus, who brought formerly from afar off, you have been brought near, near what? The Israel, Uh Uh by the blood of Christ. 14, for he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one, broke down the barrier of separation. 15, by abolishing in his flesh the enmity of the law and the commandments contained in ordinances. Now, when you start putting that together, that looks like to me uh, that it's saying that, look, the promises made by God and Abraham to the Jews were to the Jews. And you Gentiles, not you, I'm just taught, reading to him, what it says here, were not beneficiaries of those promises from God and Abraham. But now, through Jesus, you are beneficiaries of those promises of God and Jesus. So, 
if I am understanding this correctly, and uh, you know, I am an expert in my in own opinion, opinion. Uh-huh. so I think it's pretty clear that it's the idea that he was bringing others into the fold of Israel, not Israel into their fold. Mm-hmm. So. I have always found it difficult when I hear that they say, well, Jesus, Jews must accept Jesus. I always say, well, that's not what the Bible says at all. It says you got to become part of Israel. And now, you do that uh-huh. through the work of Messiah Jesus. That, that's how we become part of Israel. But once you accept him, he, once you accept him, let's say a guy uh-huh. like yourself accepts him. Okay. I got no problem with that. But let's go to step and see what this particular passage is saying. I know we can find different passages. But this one says, like it says in verse 10, that he created good works so that we would walk in them. So once you accept Jesus, it does appear to me, unless I can be corrected, I hate to sound like Martin Luther, but unless I can be corrected by Holy Scripture or by sound reasoning, I must stand on the Scriptures alone. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Exactly. And that's what Martin Luther said. Right. So this appears to me. <laughs> he feels so satisfied. Yes, I do. I am <laughs> smiling. But, uh, but what I'm trying to say is, and I know he could be, a lot of people know he's had some pretty virulent uh, anti-Semitic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But. But the point is, he says, so we could walk in them. And he broke down this wall by letting the other people become part of Israel. Because it says, now you can receive the promise of the spirit of Israel through faith. Now, I find that fascinating. So there should be no opposition, as I read it, to being spiritually Israel. Um, even if you're an Indian, or from right. uh, uh, Madagascar, mm-hmm. or Cuba, or even Iraq or Iran, or Alaska. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even Alaska. Well, whether you're an Indian with dots or an Indian with yeah, feathers. That's right. That's the right. whole point, and I like this because I was going to ask you this question earlier. It looks to me like the wall of separation. Whoa, the phones are lighting up. <laughs> the, wall, the wall of separation. We've, we've stuck a point here. The wall of separation wasn't, how can I say this? The, it, 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 um, hmm. it wasn't ethnic or it wasn't religious difference in the sense, but it looks like the wall of separation between God's people and if we're talking about Israel being interpreted as the people of God, those who love God and want God and desire God, the, the wall, and, and those who don't, Okay. It looks like the wall of separation, the difference is is the commitment to uh, and the willingness to obey and submit to aha, God's laws. It appears to me, and when, I know your version says a little something more, shall we say, designer-made uh-huh. for the present time uh-huh. in history. Uh-huh. But um, it clearly says, and I've looked at that, especially this afternoon, I was looking up from the old Greek, from a little Latin that I could pick out, and looking at many different versions. And I had the impression that it was saying he put aside the bitterness, the enmity that is against the law. So we're going back to verse 10, so that the non-Jews can walk in them. Yes. And I hope, I hope folks, that you're listening and, and getting a hold of this. It's a little... It's a little bit of a subtle point, isn't it? it mean, is, it's a subtle point with the magnanimity of a freight train. <laughs> well, it's it's important, though, because it comes to the mindset. 
it's very consistent with the mindset of Paul, uh, and, and f- frankly, it's very consistent with the heart of Judaism, as I've come to understand it, is that, for, for example, we talk about some people today, um, let's say from the Christian point of view, uh, often we, we talk about witnessing, about sharing the gospel with other people and so on. And quite often there are people who reject the gospel, that reject the message of God and, and, and uh, the message of Jesus, the Messiah, his salvation that he offers to us and all of that. Uh, they, they reject that on the basis of... Um, they, they really, it's not that they really object to Jesus. It's not that they really object to uh, necessarily anything about the belief system. They just, they just don't want to obey those laws. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember there was a prominent, uh, biz, uh, a prominent mathematician when I, uh, I have a degree in mathematics and we studied math history. And we, we, some of the great discoverers and great mathematicians of the time. And one of the uh, British mathematician, uh, can't believe he's nothing kind of, but he was a, a very well known at that time atheist, and and, and even he admittedly uh, at one point in his own words points out the fact that he, the reason he wasn't a believer is that he didn't like all those rules. He didn't want to live by those rules. He he, you know, he had various mistresses and various marriage. He was he very uh, well. He had a strong incentive. Cor- corrupt. <laughs> yeah. And, but the point is, is that it wasn't. Jesus or, uh, or God, uh, or it, it wasn't his theology that right. said, it's it, I, I don't want to become a Christian because I don't want to give up these uh-huh. sinful pleasures. Right, I, I, don't sure. want to, I don't want to submit to these laws. Right. And I'm, is that kind of a little yeah. bit of yeah, you're, the you're empty, get, the wall? I think so. A real wall of separation right. between believers and non-believers. Is that right. we, we don't want to submit uh-huh. to the law of God, uh, 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 you know, those outside of Israel, spiritual Israel in that sense that we're talking. Is that something akin to what you're talking about? It is. And I will say that it's important to notice the different choice of words. The commandments, the law of commandments, that's God's laws. And then it goes on to say, contained in ordinances. Now, what are the ordinances? Now, the ordinances would be what we might interpret to be our present interpretive analysis or our way of presenting something, Uh our way of interpretation for our present time. So different things can be spun differently by different people's expert interpretation but what it's saying is even with the ordinances which are different um you know sometimes in the bible in the english bible even you'll find something called they'll say the uh the judgment the ordinances and what's the other word they always you put together in a sentence judgments ordinances and uh, something uh, i know what you're trying to fish for sure. uh-huh. well the difference in those are i'm not going to mention the hebrew but there's a difference one is what we call the idea that you can understand that you don't rob banks, you don't murder, you don't kidnap people, you don't commit adultery. We understand those are good things, and we understand the penalty for civil laws. The other ones we're commanded to do are things we don't know the reason for, such as the red calf. We don't know why. Nobody knows why, but... It says it. 
So there are, when it says in the English, it has the ordinances and the laws, the judgments and that kind of thing. You'll find those two things. And I apologize. I can't think of the word it uses. Me either. I, I know it's right on the tip of my right. uh, brain. But, well, uh, okay. Uh, but so, but those things are actually in Hebrew, there's words for it. It's a little more distinctive. One is the things we understand the rationale for. So we can, we know we don't commit adultery, uh-huh. rob banks, that uh-huh. kind of stuff. So we understand that. That's one word. The other word is the word that we're still supposed to do, even though we do not understand it. And, and would that come down to, for example, uh, you mentioned the red calf, and uh-huh. some folks may not know what that means. Wasn't the red calf the, um, it was part of the uh, part of the process through which adultery was healed or tried? Or was that the red calf I'm thinking of? The woman? No, that's called, actually, the Hebrew word for that is sota. Okay. And uh, you're thinking about, um, they ha- they put a du- some dust from the temple uh-huh. in uh, some water. Okay. They would wa- write God's name in the dust. And the woman would drink it. And if her womb fell, then she's guilty. Uh, if it didn't, then she's innocent. Now, what's the penalty to the husband that made such an accusation, you better be darn right, because if you falsely accused, what will be done to the person you falsely accused comes back on you. That's the law of false witness. Now the red calf, the red calf. So the red calf is how you purified yourself. Uh-huh. So I believe presently there's only been nine red calves. And everybody's searching the world, and there's even a breeder here in Texas trying to breed 100% red heifers. <laughs> the red heifer, that's so. exactly right. Well, there's our music. Our second segment is behind us. I want to come back and ask you about, for one, make sure we understand this point from Ephesians, uh, what he's talking uh, about, this wall of separation. Right, yeah, yeah. And then, I, I, I'm fascinated by this because, to me, it makes perfect logical sense. Exactly, and it's very consistent with all that Paul teaches in all of the epistles, for that matter. Three, four, zero, ninety-five, eighty-five. If you'd like to weigh in, we will be right back. You are Listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. And Jacob, as well, here on the Bible Live uh, broadcast. We have 30 minutes left for you to give us a call, 340 9585, if you'd like to weigh in. Uh, Talking about a very uh, interesting and very profound topic here from the book of Ephesians. And uh, Jacob is kind of unscrewing the inscrutable for us in chapter 2. Verses 14 through 16. He's done some great homework and research on the passage linguistically and, of course, uh, doctrinally, theologically as well. It's very consistent with with Paul's teaching uh, all throughout the New Testament is that the wall of separation is not um, the law itself, but the enmity toward the law. 
Uh, that is the is, is that that's a, exactly a way to put it? when every version, even back to the the Latin and went back to the Greek and looked. That's exactly what it was. And saying. I was reminding you that not only why did the Egyptians, why did the Assyrians, why did the Babylonians, and uh, all of these nations that surrounded Israel in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, uh, they had uh, they had their pagan gods, their idols, and so on. Uh, why would they reject? The true and living God, I mean, the, the evidence and the, the, the sensibility of one God, the creator of all, on what basis would they reject? There's some appeal to that idea, that understanding of, a, of a one, the creator, the, the creator God above all others and uh, above all of creation. Why? On what basis did they reject it? And, and so we think often that it's on the basis of theology. Well, these pagan religions, they didn't really have theology there wasn't like it was they were revealed uh messages uh, the god of abraham isaac and jacob was a god of revelation he had revealed himself he had spoken he had moved in in time and space but these other uh, religions systems were basically based on convenience they allowed people to do what they wanted to do and they made no real demands on the people on their uh, followers uh they didn't really demand a lot of them uh, maybe uh, obedience and offerings to the priesthood and that sort of thing, but they weren't. Uh, they weren't. Uh, there were not commands about being honest, or being uh, being fair, about being uh, faithful and loyal in marriage, and so on. There, and for that reason, a lot of times people would prefer those because they didn't have to be good. They didn't have to obey these bothersome commandments: "Thou shalt not commit adultery." Thou, you know, you, you love your neighbor as yourself, and that sort of thing. That. They weren't burdened down, and, and they didn't like. It, it's the same thing with a lot of people who are challenged today to to be reconciled to God, to trust God and, and trust in what God has done through the Messiah to purchase our redemption and our salvation. Uh, it's not that they don't want to trust Jesus. They don't want to be a Christian for maybe theological reasons. It's that they don't like the idea that, yeah, they're going to become accountable. You know, there's there's a... Some of them are so hooked on their lifestyle, whether it's adultery or, or uh, some perversion of some kind or the drug addictions or drinking or their pleasure feel. They're, they're, that is what they don't want to give up. Uh, and so they, it's, it's not their aversion to Jesus or to the idea of God. They, they don't want to obey the commands of God. They're not uh, being holy uh, according to the righteous demands of God. It's not something they want to be a part of. And, and I... I think that same principle is what Jacob is pointing out to us that Paul is involved here in the, to the Ephesians. He's pointing it out to them that uh, that that was the wall of division. It wasn't the law itself. It was the you the got it. To the law. it was the wall was the opposition, yeah. the bitter opposition. Because even yeah, you the, got it. You the got Gentiles, it. Yeah, exactly. those outside, they he broke down the wall. That he broke down their their. Uh, aversion to their hatred for the laws of God, because now in Christ they're able uh, exactly to keep the laws, and the, they're called upon to do the that, wall right? of opposition. And it really begins it with a preamble in verse ten, where it says, "He created these so we could walk in them, and He broke down the wall, so now you yeah. can do it." Jesus got you in, pal. It's an important point, Jacob, because a lot, of, a lot of our even in our Christian churches. Uh, a, a lot of times we have this idea that you know that that Christ came and in Christ we're freed from the law and the way that's interpreted 
is that we're freed. From, we don't obey the laws. We don't have to obey the laws. We're not called upon. We don't have that obligation to anymore. It, it, it's destroyed the the laws of God, which is of course incompatible and consistent with you know the laws of God are eternal. That right. Jesus said, "Not a word." Heaven and earth shall pass away, but your words, your your and, commands, and your words I, will never and, pass away. And, and I'm really glad you've highlighted and made it the, the real clear that the opposition was to the enmity of God's stuff, uh-huh. because it clearly says that you can walk in Him. He created so you could walk in Him. Now you can, because yeah. you, now you're part of it, because you were strangers and alienated to the promises of God and Abraham. But now you're in. Now you can walk in what He created. Yeah. In now, the Corinthians, Paul says the same right. thing. Yes, he, he defines does. liberty as not the Liberty and freedom is not the freedom to do anything you want. Right. But now in, in Christ, because we've become rightly related to God, we are now free to obey the laws. We have the so, power, the potential. So, And so I, I would like to also mention that what we have here mm-hmm. is if the person believes. Now, I personally know somebody might take a shot at me, and that's okay. But I personally believe that Jesus was teaching what God had written. I believe that. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, if some people would disagree with me, and that's okay, I don't mind. There's been people all my life that disagreed with me. I have found that they just became nothing more than a nuisance, and I went on. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm joking. But but you know, and I I can make a mistake any, like anybody else. I'm willing to go- listen to good sound reasoning. But what is fascinating to me is if I'm reading and understanding this, he's saying that, look, you you all can do these things now. And there was never any opposition to somebody, quote-unquote, becoming Jewish. Uh, they didn't. And, and even long before Jesus came, a person could become Jewish. And no matter what the ethnicity was or their uh, nationality, that had no restriction on it. And how do we know that? We know that when they left Egypt... Chapter 12, Exodus. They are clearly identified as the nations. After Mount Sinai, where they all received God's laws, they're no longer identified as the nations, but they're all referred to as Israel. Israel. Uh And when they get to the land of Israel, they all share equally among the tribes. They're no longer distinguished. In fact, I will tell you a little-known secret. In the Jewish law, it is forbidden to ever mention, if a person becomes Jewish, that they ever were not Jewish. It's forbidden. You're not even allowed to mention it because it doesn't matter. Isn't that interesting? That is very interesting. Does that also have its basis in Scripture or... As most things uh, I've learned well, seem sure. to have them. Well, yeah, sure. The, the, they'll tie it to something, sure. Yeah. <laughs> they'll make up something. Well, let, let me jump to another topic here. Okay. Even in the book of Ephesians, as we follow the chapter, uh, the verses we've been looking at, chapter 2, verses 14 through uh, 17, 18, he follows that same theme. Now, you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You have become members of God's family together we are in his house built on the foundation of the apostles the prophets and the cornerstone is messiah himself we're carefully joined together now become a holy temple for the lord uh we've been made part of the dwelling where god lives by his spirit what a beautiful theme and paul is uh waxing eloquent here and and beautiful but he in chapter
chapter 3 there, uh, he, when I think of these, he says, I, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ, the Messiah Jesus, for the benefit of you Gentiles, uh, and so on. I, I, uh, I've, I wrote briefly earlier, God himself revealed this, his mysterious plan to me, uh, to me. As you read what I've written, you will understand my insight, insight into this plan, this mystery that God has. And this is another theme that you wanted to speak to tonight, and I think it's beautiful as well. It comes out in the book of, of uh, Colossians, chapter 1, verse 27. It's another book that we read uh, during this week, one of the epistles as well. Chapter 1, verse 27, Paul uh, again refers to this idea of a mystery. He said, um, mystery. Uh, for God wanted, let me see. Uh, I, I am, let me start it a little earlier. I am glad when I suffer for you in my body. He tells to the believers there in Colossae, I am glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the sufferings of Messiah that continue for his body, the church. Uh, that's pretty mysterious right there by itself. But then he says, God has given me the responsibility of serving his church, his, his called out people, by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret. For centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches of God of his, and glory of Messiah are for you Gentiles too. This is the secret. Christ lives in you. Christ in you. This gives you the assurance of sharing his glory. So the point here is he talks about this mystery, this thing that was hidden from ages past. And that he, he finds that Paul takes it upon himself as he feels a calling from God to, to serve the people of God by proclaiming the, that, the, the whole message. Now, I'm wondering what, what you would think of that and how, how does that figure into, uh, again, Paul is a Jew. He's a very committed, practicing uh, Jew. He's not some rarity. He, figure, he cons- considers himself... In, in the red-hot center core of Judaism. Fact, uh, did we answer the question so, what tribe he's from? <laughs> oh, he's from the tribe of Benjamin. There you go. Yeah, exactly, and he mentions that several times. So, yes, he does. Uh, who, uh, Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin f- produced, for example, the first king of Israel, Saul. Uh, uh, some things I remember about it. But anyway, that's right. He, he's not a Levite, and that's important to see from Paul, but he's from the tribe of Benjamin. But the whole point here is that he's... He talks about this mystery. Is that consistent? Is, is Paul seeing something? That yes. And uh, I, I think, it, well, we do know this, that in three of the Gospels, Jesus' disciples comes up and says, Hey, how come you're talking to all these guys in parables? And Jesus says, Because it's been given to you to know the mystery. Oh, again, now, it's mystery. Thing. Uh-huh. Now, I think I got, I got a good grasp of what he's talking about. So the apostles... They're being taught something deeper, a more richer understanding, or something different. But they're getting something different. The word parable from the Greek, as I interpret it, is what in the Jewish world is like the third level. Mm-hmm. There's another level beyond that that really the well, uh, the knowledgeable, the well-educated can start to grasp. Uh, is, it a, is it a case of education or spirituality? Both. Okay. I think both. But um, <clears throat> so but so he's making it clear three times. As, it, it, this is because of the three Gospels. He says it. A- and I believe he's referring to in Deuteronomy where it says, the things in this world are given to us, but the secret things belong to God. 
And so I think that's what they're all referring to. It's out of Deuteronomy. I don't know if you're familiar with that verse or not. Hmm. It, it sounds very intriguing, uh, and, I, and it rings a bell to me, but I'm not sure. Yes, does the name Quasimodo ring a bell? Quasimodo. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I really want to jump on one more thing, because I said... He's the humpback of Notre Dame, right? He is, okay, that's right. right, Notre Dame. And, and you, you heard the about the... Up in yeah, Dame. and you know about the book uh, written by Nostradamus, right? Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. And... Uh, his name was not originally Nostradamus. Nostradamus, you hear the word Notre Dame. Huh? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. His grandfather, he was Jewish, but he couldn't get medical school. So he became, quote-unquote, a, a very fundamental Christian, changed his actual name to the name of Notre Dame, Nostradamus, and, but his grandfather was one of the most famous Jewish Kabbalists in France. So when I say... What is a Kabbalah? Uh, Kabbalah. Oh, okay. Uh, the spiritual aspect of the Torah. I was thought, I was thinking you meant a, a shoemaker <laughs> for some well, reason. Well, I can see. I, actually, I kind of like that. That's kind of <laughs> cute. Yeah, he's a very. He made a lot of nice shoes. Yeah. Uh, and if the shoe fit, you could wear it. Okay. Anyway, but so, but that's where that comes from. So that's interesting. But that's on the side. But in your, uh, I had mentioned that there was a. In your, Colossians one twenty seven. W- we did one twenty seven. That's that one. That's correct. Paul refers to the mystery. The mystery, but and listen. Jesus refers to it in the Gospels, and you re- three times trace it back to Deuteronomy. I believe so because there is. Uh, it's clearly said. Moses says, "Look, the known things belong to us, but the secret things belong to God." Mm-hmm. So that's uh, it's there, and, and I believe I think when Jesus answers in the three Gospels, his disciples, I think he's sharing with them those deeper insights. I'm not gonna. I'll, I. I, I, I suspect you're right too uh in in the context of one of those he talks about when they ask him why do you speak to us in parables and 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 part of the reason given there too is that uh, he speaks to them in these parables because there it's given them to understand and and they have a basis for understanding Uh it but for people who don't have that basis he doesn't want to make them i mean this is a not a private interpretation, uh, right, but something right. I've read through that 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 Jesus is he's speaking to believers. They are responsible for what they hear, but he doesn't want other people necessarily to be responsible uh, for what they hear. Because so he speaks to them in parables, so that they they don't understand it, and therefore they don't become responsible for it. And uh, it's this whole idea, like when he's on the cross. Said, it is uh, true that they it, don't know. It, 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 uh, it is true that the theme is present throughout the Bible, that you are responsible for what you know. Mm-hmm. If you don't know, yeah, it's a little lesser standard. In some ways, in some ways, Jesus was trying to. Oh. Tell them, right. but without maybe spilling the entire message and being to make people responsible for. And, and he talks about the idea of uh, uh, not casting pearl before swine in the sense right. of not giving riches and depth of teaching to people who who aren't going to get it and understand it. it, it I, I think I, yeah. somehow it feels like that may be part of the same concept. Well, actually, and I do notice that. Especially, especially, but also in the Old Testament, the Tanakh, the Torah, I notice that many times it's difficult to say, understand if we're talking about physical or spiritual. And I have noticed in my conversations with folks, especially in the Christian world, that when they're reading things in the New Testament, the Christian scriptures, I... 
I sometimes detect that there's a difficulty in distinguishing. Are we talking about spiritual or are we talking about physical? But I do want to tell you something. When you're going through Ephesians and Colossians and Philippians, <clears throat> pardon me, you know, I think one of the first things I always do, I look and see who is this written to. It's, you notice this is not written to Jews. He'd be wasting his breath talking mm-hmm. to Jews about this because mm-hmm. the Jews... They were, already, uh, yeah, they were yeah. already told the idea. Except the laws. So yeah. he's writing to Ephesians. So I always look at the group of people. First thing I do is, who is he writing to? Now, you have in your verse number 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know number 10? In, uh, in, in what Ephesians. book are we talking about? Uh, Ephesians, because this is our bonus point. Six pieces, uh, name one of the pieces of the spiritual armor. Now, this is a very well-known passage. It is. Often quoted. I, uh, often quoted. Armor up. You know, put oh, yeah. Your put, every day. Hey, put, put, yeah. Yeah, put that, so put that belt on. The question on, is, yeah. uh, name one of the pieces of our spiritual armor. And your, your uh, question was, where does that concept uh, I thought they looked around and they saw these Roman soldiers all around. Uh, and they I have around. heard this explanation myself. And they said, okay, there's the shoes, there's, uh-huh. the, there's the breastplate of righteousness, yeah. there's the helmet of salvation, wow, there's there the you uh, go. belt of sure. truth. And, so and I have heard that explanation myself. And it's not, maybe it's true. But is that where it comes from? I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't well, know actually, are Paul, we told Paul, where he gets the Yes, end? of course. Okay. Paul, as you said, is from the tribe of Benjamin. He is a Pharisee. He's well-educated in the Bible. He was trained. He understands. He knows the Bible. So he's quoting something from the Bible, and you're going to find it in Isaiah chapter 59. And it uses all the stuff that everybody quotes from the New Testament and says, oh, put on the armor, the helmet, the breastplate. Is that right? And it's on Isaiah 59. Oh, let me take a peek. I'm looking at Now, um, okay. 59. Uh-huh. Uh, start at about, uh, oh, start about 15, 16 okay. in that area. He put on righteousness as his body armor uh-huh. and placed the Breast helmet plate. of salvation there on his go. head. Yeah. He clothed himself with a robe of vengeance. Or, uh, I don't know. Wrapped himself in a cloak uh, yeah. of divine uh, passion. Uh, uh, and so, well, I'll be. That, yeah, the language there is somewhat similar. Well, it's, it's similar, but as to, it goes through in the... Uh, English, Christian scriptures, it goes through the, you know, two or three languages, it comes out. You still capture the idea of the uh-huh. skeleton of it, you might say. Uh-huh. But you get the idea, but you can see the similarity. There it is. Uh-huh. So Paul is a very educated Benjamite. He's also a Pharisee. He's an educated guy. He knows the Bible, so he knows where this stuff is coming. Weren't the tribe of Benjamin, I'm, I'm remembering something vaguely, and I may be wrong. Were they the tribe that was... One of the things popular about them is that they were good with slingshots, left-handed and right-handed, or was that a different... Uh, you know, I do not know the answer to that one. You you stumped me on that. But, you do uh, remember the idea. There was some group that was... Oh, yeah, sure. The sling- actually, each of the 12 tribes that were known for one specially, for example, Naphtali mm-hmm. is known as a running deer because they were the message carriers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one, Zubalon. Zebulon, I guess mm-hmm, in English, mm-hmm. uh, he's, uh, they were the weapons makers. So each group had its industry. Uh, it, it seems to me like the Benjamins, they're one of the things that set them aside in war and their, their skills was that they, they were really good with And, and so I'm, I'm surprised in this case that 
that Paul, I, w- I was thinking you were going to think Paul got that illustration from somewhere. I, I was surprised they didn't put a slingshot in the armor of God here in Ephesians that uh, that he didn't include a slingshot. But the, the, that's maybe where he gets that imagery, Isaiah chapter 59. Well, one would seem to think that's where he gets it from since it's written there. <laughs> and he is a Jew, after all. But it, it is a beautiful passage, putting on the armor of God. And uh, whether he looked around and saw the Roman soldiers around him and took uh, his his uh, imagery there from there. You, you want a little funny aside one time? Uh-huh. Okay. I was sitting with some folks one time, and they said, does anybody know where the, the helm on the breastplate and all that stuff comes from? And he, the person was uh, referring to Ephesians chapter 6. Mm-hmm. Well, me being a gregarious kind of fellow that I am. You, you held that. I, I, no, no, no I, I raised my hand and said, I know. And I said, Isaiah. And he said, no, it comes from Ephesians. <laughs> and I said, I think it comes from Isaiah. And he says, no, no, no. That's a nice guess, but it's wrong. So I shut up. <laughs> I, now, that's the part I don't believe, <laughs> that you shut up. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, okay, well, you shouldn't have. You yeah. should have gone ahead and showed him that because it is actually very interesting to see that. And who knows, uh, Paul may very well. Uh, it, it, look at this. Uh, it says equipped for battle. In, Eph- in Ephesians, Paul uses the metaphor of a Roman soldier's uniform to describe the ways God has prepared us for our daily adventure with him. Each one of these tools of war has a purpose. You can yeah. imagine. Yeah, and so on. So, so uh, it's very popular. I, I know that, that, and I've heard many sermons from you know, preachers on that, and I've often wondered, how come nobody ever mentions that it's in the I Bible? Know, 59, <laughs> exactly right. Well, I, there's no reason it couldn't be a, both of those ideas. Well, of Paul course. So that's well. the happy answer, and we both get to eat out of the same basket. <laughs> you, you, you could be right, but I always get my uh, way. Right? That's, that's right. That's yeah. the idea. Well, um, uh, okay, so we've we've worked through. Now let's talk a little bit. We've talked about Ephesians, the letter to the the Ephesians. We've talked about, uh, and Ephesians is very very interesting book. Another characteristic of the book of Ephesians is that uh, it is full of um, new things that are true of us in in Messiah as believers. Uh, our new identity. Uh, I. I what I am now in Christ, what I have because of being reconciled to God in Christ in Philippians. Now, quickly to talk about Philippians, it's a book of joy. That's a primary theme. I think 22 times the word joy or enjoy or rejoice is used in the book. And interestingly enough, it's written from prison. Uh, remember when Paul was in, uh, he, in fact, in Philippi. Is Why would anybody want to listen to somebody? Look, Paul spent an awful lot of time in prison. He did. He was a repeat offender. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it seemed to be kind of a, a prerequisite for any of this. John, uh, Peter, well, they all spent time in jail, it seems like. But uh, so Philippians, the theme being joy, uh, I, I think it's one of the most Interesting and very uh, inspiring books of the New Testament. It's really one of the more intimate ones as well because they're the only church that sent Paul a, 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 an offering. Oh, is that right? They're the only one that sent him some money? Yes. Uh-huh. I didn't know that. Philippians did that, yeah. Wow. You're the only ones that said it sent wow. a provision for me. 
So a very interesting uh, intimacy with the people of Philippi. He had a, a good experience there. Remember, he started out yeah, in Yeah, that's jail. another reason. I've often wondered, why do the people in America call it Philippi? I've always wondered about that. Why is that? Isn't that the name of the city? Oh, uh, if you like. But, I mean. <laughs> if you want to mispronounce it. Oh, remember this. Always be the kind of parent you would like to have for a parent. I like to hear that each and every week. Thanks, folks, for joining us tonight at the Bible Live. We'll be back next Sunday evening and continue our way through. What are we looking at next week? I don't know. I gave you number 39 there. I think we return to the Hebrew Scriptures now um, next week. So the Bible Live is dedicated oh, to helping it. restore we'll the Bible week. to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.